0: Hello team and welcome to episode 362 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Wilson. Chris is the VP of content at Critical Bench, host of the Strong by Design podcast and has been in the fitness industry since the late 90s. A lot has changed within the fitness industry over the past couple of decades and Chris is someone who has seen an enormous amount of those changes. His journey started as a personal trainer in the late 90s and fast forward 25 years, him and the team at Critical Bench are still adding value to the fitness industry, which includes their YouTube channel that's just surpassed a million subscribers. In this episode, you can expect to learn how we can learn to focus on our health as well as our aesthetics, how Chris integrates his relationship with God and faith into his life as well as his health and fitness journey, along with why Chris believes that finding your purpose is one of the most important things you'll ever do. So without further ado, Chris Wilson. (laughs) Chris Wilson, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing very well, Elliot.
0: Thank you for having me. The pleasure is truly mine. I was just saying to you before we got started that I wasn't too familiar with your name or your work before I was... Fortunately, led to being in contact with you. But since being in contact with you, I've been really fascinated by the work that you've done. I feel that there's going to be a lot of value that the listeners are going to take away as well. But before we do dive into that, can you give us a little bit of context about who is Chris Wilson and what it is that you do?
1: Certainly. Yeah. I'm uh, the VP of content here at criticalbench.com. We are a, an online fitness and health publishing company We've been around for almost 25 years now, since 1999, and uh, I've been in this position or a similar position for the better part of 10 years now. I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary of of joining the team uh, and working for a childhood friend of mine, so the owner, founder of the business. uh, We went to high school together and and played high school football together and uh, are still uh, good friends and, and have maintained a friendship, even though we have a professional relationship as well. And uh, I oversee all content here at Critical Bench. So we we are really in the business of creating fitness and health-related programming that people can easily infuse or insert into their lives to live healthier lives, pain-free lives, um, uh, feel stronger, uh, feel more um you know, alive, if you will, Um, and and we can go down the road, those roads of, of, of topics uh, based on the various things that we've created over the years. Uh, But what we have global reach, and uh, it's, it's a feel good type position that I'm in, where I'm creating content that I really enjoy making, knowing that it's going to make someone else's life better on the other side. Uh, It's there's no gimmicks to our to our stuff. Yes, we are an email marketing business because that's we reach people 100 percent online, but we create really good, very affordable programs that people, like I said, can easily do in 10, 15, 20 minutes a day um, and and get great results. So it's uh, I enjoy my job. Hey, that's that's different. It absolutely is. And
0: it's incredible work as well because of the health and fitness industry. If something stays around for three or four years, that's a pretty long lifespan. So for you guys to be doing this for the past 25 years or so, it's pretty damn incredible. And also in kind of a traditional format as well. When I was looking at your website, you know, it reminds me of being on bodybuilding.com in the early 2000s, for example, I hope you take that as a compliment, but it has that very nice old school feel to it, you know, so I want to dive into that a little bit more in just a moment. But I want to hear Chris, where your personal journey with health and fitness started as well. What led you down this path to thinking, I'm going to go down this route as a career and where did it all begin for you?
1: Good question. I'm going to get there in two seconds. But we are, what you've noticed is our archaic looking website, and that's fine. Uh, because it's actually going through a full remodel, full redesign process right now. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, because honestly, in, in the world of, of online, we the draw has not been our website for many years, probably since I started here. It's always been about creating a certain landing page, right, or a, uh, a sales letter or a VSL, video sales letter, which is basically an infomercial that leads people to a product or program. And those are the things, those are the landing spots. Those are the end, um, that's where you wanna get the eyeballs. And so we've gone uh, really heavy and put all of our energy into creating all of these various, what they call funnels for various products and programs. And, And those are beautifully constructed and made and that's what we send all of our email traffic to, and as well as other online affiliates. So that's the bread and butter. The website has been ignored and neglected long enough, and we realize in order to have that kind of, uh, that, uh, that even level of how people perceive us at, at, as critical bench. If we're going to be consistent, in other words, across the board with YouTube and all of these great product uh, product pages and stuff, we need to show up with a better platform uh, as home base, really. And so uh, that's going through a massive thing. We're going to have a great e-commerce experience for people as well. Uh, so, okay, getting back to what you asked was, wh- where are my roots? Like, Why am I interested in fitness and health? I uh, was the youngest of three boys. In fact, my older brothers were identical twins, and uh, I grew up just loving activity, sports, being strong, being a boy, being tough. Uh, I had a great neighborhood. I was friendly with uh, you know everybody on our street for the uh, for the most part. Uh, I couldn't wait to wake up on Saturday mornings and go off on my bike. Um, uh, I would just sit there. I, I was laughing just the other day talking to somebody about the rule. It was kind of like a, I get, I don't know if it was a spoken rule or just kind of a, a as a kid, you kind of knew I probably shouldn't leave my house before sunlight sun up. So I would like sit, sit in my garage, staring at my bike, like wiping it and cleaning it and just couldn't get, couldn't wait to get outside on my bike and just go off on my own and do my thing. And Uh, And I I hope that has not been lost on today's technological world where the fascination that little boys and little girls would have with like just the freedom of being out on their own bike, you know, like doing the thing. Uh, But I had that in the 80s and I loved it. And um, so that's kind of I would say where it started. But then I had these great role models in my older brothers who were just five years older than me and big and strong and tough. And nobody messed with the Wilsons. I just wanted to be just like them. Like a lot of, like a lot of kids. They, they have someone hopefully to look up to. And I just wanted to be just like my older brothers. Uh, and they were just wonderful, great older brothers. And, um, uh, so I was heavily into sports, soccer, uh, at an early age, uh, also known as football on your side of the, the map. Right. Um, but, uh, I really got into football and baseball were kind of my two real passions growing up. And uh, football, I stayed in uh, all the way through high school and played at a high level and uh, championship level. And and then uh, baseball, I now coach uh, for my son, which is so much fun. But once I got that, that, um, that feedback, I guess you could say, from performing and, and, and you know, running and playing and and showing my my toughness and my grit and my strength I really enjoyed that and I just I also felt kind of this pull to it because that's what my brothers were doing so I have to do it too you know but I I just loved competition my whole life I've always really enjoyed competition no matter what it was whether it was playing a game of ping pong throwing darts or playing basketball or playing football or baseball. I just have always enjoyed competition and and feeling strong.
0: Amazing. And then that journey of exploring sports, being stronger, being inspired by your your brothers led you down the path to becoming the VP of content at Critical Bench. What's the gap in
1: between from there to there? Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, my my college, uh, when I went to university, I... Graduated thinking I was going to be in the TV or radio business. Uh, I was a communications major, and 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 so I kind of am. That's true. Yeah. At this stage, right? I I I host and manage a podcast. I'm in thousands of YouTube videos and and products and video content. And so I have utilized those skills and things that I learned uh, in college. But coming out of college, I kinda got wrapped up in that world of fitness and health, working for a world gym chain up in uh, the Northeast, up in Connecticut, and just fell in, I was so in love with the gym environment. I was in love with uh, lifting weights and the energy uh, in, in the clubs that I worked in. And also the, uh, the contact with others, helping them people who were in need of a, of a trainer or a coach and looking to me maybe for, for guidance. And, and so I'm like, wow, I already love this. I can get paid helping others love it too and, and get results from it. So yeah, I'll, I'm in, I'll do that. And so I started training a lot of people and, and getting clients, uh, through the world gym, through other businesses that were working within the gym and then came upon, uh, what came to be a mentor of mine. His name is Ben Prentice. I've, he, I've, I've interviewed him on our podcast, uh, the strong by design podcast before he was really my, I would say my introduction into the world of like professional trainers, coaches. Um, uh, I worked in an, in elite, uh, private, uh, facility studio, you could call it. Back in 2000 when it was still kind of a newer thing to pay a lot of money for, you know, at the time, it was thousands of dollars, right? To, to be a member. I remember people would walk in and go, Hey, I want to join. What's your, what's your rate? Like, what's your monthly rate? And we're like, well, we're not a gym. You'd actually have to buy sessions with a trainer. And they were like, oh, well, that's weird. And then you get other people that are like, oh, that sounds good. So I only come here and I work with somebody one-on-one. And they're like, yeah, you get one-on-one attention for a full hour, as many days a week as you want to come. And we will create the programming for you and you get your, you know, and people are loving that who could afford it. And that's where I just, I learned a lot. I grew a lot. Uh, I was surrounded by other very smart, high level trainers and was exposed to other, uh, super, you know, just really, really good people that would kind of come through our facility. Uh, passing through kind of if you will uh, other people other experts in the industry, and so uh it was a great launching pad for me into this world, and it never left i mean i always since then i've always been in this industry on some level whether I, whether I was just training uh or I, at one point, I was a general manager for a fitness and tennis center for several years, and I oversaw all the personal training that happened, and then eventually it just led to. Me working fully online after 15 years of working with clients face-to-face.
0: Yeah, it's an incredible journey. And it's funny in a way that it seems kind of similar to mine as well. I spent some time in a commercial gym and then went to a private training facility, worked with a ton of insanely good professionals. And then that inspired me massively from all the learnings I gained from them. And then I wound up online as well. So there's definitely some similarities there. So it's it's an inspirational path. And oh, I, can, yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate to that, which is incredible as well. But obviously your career spans far longer than mine does at this stage. I'm
1: very old. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You must have seen so many things come and go in the industry. And I'm curious to hear, like, what do you see health and fitness as these days compared to what it was when you first started? Are there some you know, major similarities if the fundamentals to the test of time? Or is it a completely different world to when you got started?
1: Wow. There's so many ways to answer that question. I mean... Yeah, I started training people before cell phones. Yeah, that's insane. Um, I, I mean, li- literally, I remember, I remember getting my first cell phone and thinking, "How cool am I that I have a phone clipped on my belt?" I just felt like I was like super awesome and special, right? This is like nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, you know, and you know, a, kind of a big, a big phone. I forget what brand it was, you know, looked like kind of like a small, like cordless phone is basically what it looked like. That was like on my hip. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's back in this day. This is before all any social media, right? So this is before the Instagram phenomenon. This is before MySpace even started. This is before there was YouTube. This is back when, if you bought something online or it wasn't even online it was like a mail order situation most times right you saw an infomercial late at night and you sent in a a, a you know you bought something through mail like so you know it's just like a different time as i said there, there was just a lot of big you know uh big gyms back in the day the gold's gyms and the world's you know world gym and and uh, those types of fitness environments but there really was there was no box gyms there was maybe that, that upstart of some private studios like what I' got to work in called Body Tuning in Darien, Connecticut, and opened up January of 2000. And there wasn't a lot of those going around, but they were you know, they were he- here and there in, in more affluent areas, I would say, or higher level people that were looking for that type of attention. But most people did not want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, in a three to six month period to get fit, um, people, you know, were just looking to have like a membership to an affordable place. Um, and nowadays, I mean, you can't drive a mile down a road without passing a, a some type of box gym or fr- a franchise of some sort. Um, and then this explosion of home gyms. No one had home. I mean, very few people. People maybe had a few weights that, to tinker around with at their house, but didn't have these full-scale, amazing squat racks and a thousand pounds of weight in their own garage. That that wasn't really normal back then either. Um, so we've seen this massive shift. People realizing the need, the importance. I think of of strength and of uh, f- uh, focus on physical uh, physical fitness. But, um, you know, but then it's also gone down, I don't know, it's gone down some unhealthy routes too, with the type of exposure and platforms that people can create for themselves where it seem it's so much based on the aesthetic and, you know, the, the looks rather than the, the function and really what it's doing for you long-term. Cause the looks are going to fade. I'm sorry to tell you listeners, you know, I don't look as nearly as good as I did 20 years ago. I'll tell you that much, but. I've accepted it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a husband and a daddy and I have, I have uh, more important things to do than take selfies and special videos of myself all day long, just to, just to post for uh confirmation of how, how great I look. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, listen, dude, you know, it's, I'm just speaking truthfully, you know, I'm I'm kind of over the fascination that people have with the fake, the fake bodies that we all see uh, in, in every day we scroll.
0: Yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on that a little bit more because, of course, you're now all online-based. A lot of the work that you do is on social media, whether it's your Instagram, your YouTube, and your podcast. So there's obviously a lot of utility to social media. Yeah. So where do you find the blend between terrible stuff that's coming on and you know the thing that's leading people in a direction that's not healthy versus the ability to spread information far and wide. That's actually really practical that helps people far more than like you said, when they first started with you, they could only have a personal trainer or go to a gym. They wouldn't have the same level of information they have access to now. So how do we balance the two or how are you balancing the two at the company you're with?
1: Yeah. Great questions. Um, information overload right now for sure. Right. Um, everybody's an expert. If they just follow one person or do a little bit of reading online, everything's so accessible nowadays that, and uh, i'm sorry yeah you're, you're you're might be an internet expert but you're certainly not an experienced expert um expertise really only comes from literally tens of thousands of hours of doing something um and so i can call myself an expert in this field because i've trained people for tens of thousands of hours um and that's prior to me working online for the last 10 years so i think there's such an unhealthy aspect to the online world, right? I mean, and and we could go on and on about this, but it's because the fascination I think that people have with the human body, right? And what what the human body is capable of doing and looking like uh, and transformations, right? I mean, I love and I applaud when I see someone who's gone from maybe 50 to 100 pounds obese to like very fit. Um, how did they do it? And there's lots of different ways to get there. Did they do it a healthy way? Did they do it an unhealthy way? I still appreciate the hard work and the dedication it took to get there. And we've had people like that on on our podcast and talk with those types of people. But it's the people I think that have the big following that are almost to the point of a, an unhealthy approach to fitness and health, where they're living in this in this sub 10 percent uh, body fat environment, um, probably some cosmetic stuff going on, most likely some type of synthetic uh, you know, drug use going on as well. And then kind of this, oh, look at me, you know, I'm doing this naturally, you know, and that 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 whole thing. And obviously a lot of these people have come out as frauds in recent years. And it's just so evident. I I I am lifetime natural, never done anything, but I don't think most people would accuse me of doing it, because I'm also not taking photos of myself at six percent body fat, you know, turned sideways with with a tan, with the right lighting, and and everything else, like proclaiming that I've done this naturally and this is what I look like every day. Um, it's such a facade. It's so fake. I've been around people that have that are competitive in this world, in the world of figure competition or bodybuilding, they don't look like that every single day. It's extraordinarily difficult to look like that for one day, and oh, I'll also add, it's it also makes you an extremely selfish person to be so focused on yourself that you probably aren't good in your relationships. If you're a parent, you're probably not a great parent. I'm sorry, I'm just saying in the extreme cases, uh, you are so focused on your own diet, on how you look, on how you time everything, you know, and you cannot give enough energy to other people. If you're that that much focused on your your own, <laughs> your own appearance, H- how are you going to be good for other people? And all you all you think about and all you focus on from the moment you rise to the moment you go to bed it, is how you look and how you're going to be perceived. And that has gotten so out of whack, I think, for people. Um, it's crazy, and I'm, I might be pissing somebody off right now, but I'm just telling it. I think, as a as a 47 year old guy who's been around this world long enough to see the impact it has, uh, typically not for not for the good. If, if you're if you're that dedicated and focused on that one thing, uh, other things in your life are probably falling apart. It's very very hard to maintain. A super high level uh, when it comes to looks.
0: Yeah, I definitely share your thoughts there. And it's a double-edged sword, I think, social media in that sense, because of those who give out that type of information tend to have the largest audiences as well. So then the challenge for real information to come through, but in a way that's not packaged in this Unbelievably unhealthy way, if you know what's actually going on beneath the surface, becomes really, really demanding as well. And obviously, there's an attraction to that too. I know that in my early 20s and my late teens, I was obsessed with the way that my body looked for some time. Not nearly as much these days at all, to be completely honest, but we all go there. So, I think the big question I have to you is how can we be attracted to live that healthy lifestyle, like a truly healthy lifestyle, having maybe an eye on our aesthetics to a degree? But really, understanding the fundamental principles of what health and fitness truly is,
1: as long as I think aesthetics is a little bit more of a side effect than the the main thing I'm I, very much like you. What did I care about in my late teens and early twenties? I cared about looking good, being strong, and hooking up. That's what a lot of guys that's what a lot of guys are thinking. Well, how can I make some more money? Because most of us are poor coming out of college or in during college years, late teens and early twenties. So I need money because I need money to be able to go out. And if I'm going to go out, I want to look good, right? And you live that life for a lot for several years until your mid or middle or late twenties, and then hopefully you meet somebody nice and you want to just stick to that one person and uh, make a life. And Which is what happened for me. Ultimately, I think what works for most of us is something that's more manageable and long term. So there's nothing wrong. Listen, there's nothing wrong with going to some like crazy elimination diet or something super restrictive if you're if you have a, a, a wedding that you want to look good for, right? Or if you have a certain th- an event coming and you need kind of that quick fix approach, you have two, three, four months to to make a change to look a certain way. The trouble is that's what's sold to a lot of us as like sustainable and it's not. Um, I think any kind of elimination diet, anything that's highly restrictive is not sustainable and you're just gonna be frustrated after you know two months, three months, four months, however long you're able to last uh, with that that diet or with that approach. I think you need to be open to different forms of activity and exercise. I think you need, you know, to consider them hobbies or lifestyle things that you really enjoy doing that are satisfying to you, you look forward to. It's the only way you're going to continue doing them. Anything that you are you know, and it's okay to Sometimes it's good if if, the, if something does make you a little uncomfortable. Like I do yoga out here in our gym once uh, once a week, and I I love and I hate it. It's the hardest thing I do every week. I would never do it by myself because I just have no desire. But an instructor, we have a yoga teacher come, and she puts us through great routines. And I know I need it, but I I don't really want to do it. Until, but I'm grateful when it's over. <laughs> so but so that's what I mean about you know being at least open to things that maybe you don't love, but you know are good for you, but at least having the accountability of having a coach come and put us through that. Now, in terms of weightlifting and stuff, I don't even have to think about it. I love that stuff so much. I have ever since I was 10 years old. I go out into our gym and I work out multiple days a week. So strength training, easy, comes easy. That box has been checked my whole life. I don't struggle there. Where I do struggle, however, is diet and nutrition. And I think a lot of people do. It's not that I struggle about what I should be eating, what I know is good, what I know is bad. I can make those judgments very easily, very quickly. For me, it's typically a quantity issue or a tracking issue. So I'm either overeating. So calorically, I'm just taking in more than I need based on my, my, my needs of the day. Uh, and then if I'm not writing it down or if I'm not tracking, I have no idea where I'm at. So I'm just kind of going off hunger and appetite rather than off of like, well, you've eaten this, 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 and this. So if you're still hungry, this is kind of what you have left to play around with. And it's not so much I'm counting counting calories and macro you know it's but i think you have to have a loose idea yeah i think you have to have a general idea and most of us overeat the foods that we don't need as much we overeat the carbs and we overeat the the, the fats and we under eat the protein i would say that's most people's problem and if we if we went out of our way to really make sure we're checking the protein box because protein will be the most satiating and the hardest to to, to to overeat. But if you try to, usually you can fill yourself up well enough where you, you don't overeat the other things. And when I was tracking my protein intake and really having a good understanding of how much protein I was eating in a given day, I, I was getting great results. I was not overeating the fats. I was not overeating the carbohydrates. I leaned out. My my whole body changed, uh, and um, and I I really need to get back to that. I want to do that with my wife. Actually, we've we've been talking about it and talking about it, and I'm I've I've been hesitant on on pulling the trigger on kind of getting back to that because I'm I'm about 15 pounds more than I want to be right now, and I know if I just dial it up a notch by just tracking. And, and knowing what I'm eating and, and knowing I'm hitting my protein for the day, I'm going to get exactly what I need. And I'm going to look exactly how I want to look.
0: Absolutely. and. There's going to be many people thinking now, you're in your late 40s, you're probably in decent shape compared to the quote-unquote average person, and you just told me that you haven't been able to pull the trigger quite yet. What do you think your motivation will be to do that, and what keeps you inspired to be that way as well? You know you're 15 pounds overweight because you have experience with health and fitness, but no one else knows you have 15 pounds overweight, and you probably still look in amazing shape. So I'm curious to get your idea of why you're still motivated to do that, you know, coming into your 50s where a lot of people were like, ah, you know, it's time to ease off the gas. I'm still training four times a week. It's good enough.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like I go through these moments and we all do. Everything's cyclical, I think, in life, right? I mean, all things are really, right? Nature is cyclical. I think we are cyclical in terms of we have moments in our life where we get more comfortable, and then we have moments in our life where maybe there's a pain point or there's an experience that we have that really resonates with us and is kind of a starting point or an ignition point for us for change. And then we can ride that wave, typically only for so long before we start to hit again a point of comfort, and then we kind of go, lack that same enthusiasm. Uh, and so the, I'm just on that. I'm on that. Uh, I rode a, a wave of. of of great motivation and tracking for like all of 2021. And then I would say it even, it it really carried me into 2022 quite nicely. And then I would say by like summer of 2022, I think I hit a moment of just like kind of starting to get more comfortable again in in things and, and and lacking uh, attention and uh, letting myself go a little bit more, like having a little bit more food or, having an extra reward meal or an extra dessert here and there. And those things do add up. And so my wife and I've been talking about this for last few months. She just uh, finished nursing school not that long ago. And so it was kind of a challenging period in our lives while she was finishing up nursing. She's transitioning out of veterinary medicine into human medicine. and um, But now we're at a, 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 back at a point, I think, where both of us, really can jump back in and kind of be on the same that's a big thing right with your partner with your spouse can you do it together and that really helps it's such a big thing right because if like if the husband's doing it but the wife isn't or vice versa that can really like it can really be harder it can really be a juggling act i think but but if you're both on board with something together and getting the results There's some sustainability there. And again, it just comes down to preparation, uh, kind of cooking for the week on the weekend and setting up your meals in advance. Uh, Good foods, foods I enjoy eating. I mean, that's the whole thing, man. You don't have to be super restrictive to get good results. You don't have to cut up certain foods to get good results. You just have to have a plan. And then you have to just implement that consistently. And I think it's that's people struggle with being consistent and being disciplined with things, right? It's hard to, you know, make yourself go to bed at a good time. So you get good sleep, but then get up early enough where, you know, it's a, you maybe have some time to play with in the morning. Um, and it's, it's, it, 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 it takes a lot of discipline to prep the, that food. But when you do, it makes life easier. You know, it's like, just cook a little bit extra on the weekends but then Monday through Friday now all your meals are kind of like structured and set up for you if you've you know cooked enough and put some stuff in in, in containers and uh, there's a lot there in order to get started i think with some of these things it can kind of be scary but then once you're in it you're like wow man life is it's like freedom through structure people think structure creates less freedom. It's actually the opposite. It really provides a lot of freedom once it's established and you walk in it for a little while. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And My girlfriend and I are going for a similar phase at the moment.
0: She's a little bit more interested in dropping some body fat at the moment than I am. But I was like, I'm going to be with you because of you know it doesn't hurt me to tighten up a little bit more it never does and also I know the power of doing it as a pair and you're absolutely right like once we said okay we're gonna have this meal for the evening that was one of the biggest things because then there wasn't any temptation to have anything else the next aspect was saying okay we have this dedicated workout time let's commit to this let's follow through on this and as long as we both place those boundaries to not let the work run over you know all of a sudden like you said you become free because then you get to your weekend you're like well do we want to be a little bit more flexible and all of a sudden rather than that guilt or that voice in the back of your head saying, oh, you, well, you know, you've had the pizza already twice this week, so do you really want to go again? It's, you know, more a sense of saying, ah, oh, wow, well, amazing, you know, we're on track with our goals, we can be a little bit more flexible if we need to, but also if we want to keep taking advantage and capitalizing on our results, we're just going to keep going. And like you said, once you're in it and you see the, rewards from it you're free you know you're living in breathing in the body that you want to you're feeling it in the process so i love that as well and as i transition on to the next question regarding your family i'm curious on what knock-on effect that has to your children as well
1: oh yeah totally huge impact on the kids and that's always in the that's always in the back of my mind i think when it comes to like where i'm at physically where my wife's at is like how do our kids perceive us mm. how do they perceive health how do they perceive like aging well right my wife and i are this, about the same age and um i would like to i'd like to think i don't look my age and this is, i haven't really gone gray yet so that that always helps right um but uh i want my son and my daughter to see me as as a healthy energetic father um uh, that that i that i'm capable of, of uh, say of all things, but I'm capable of, of, of just about anything physically. I want them to see me as, as the provider, the protector, strong, you know, physically capable. And, but also just because that's the standard I've set for myself in my life, you know, and I, I and I certainly want that to rub off on them and, and how they see the value of fitness and physical activity at being just so such a positive right in terms of living a, a, a longer more fulfilling life you know um i don't i don't see myself as a 70 year old just sitting on the sofa like a lump you know i see myself as a 70 year old with grandkids still like out there moving chasing after them uh getting down on the ground with them and, and doing stuff so that that is in my mind and and i want them to have a love and an appreciation for what what the body can do, and um, my as I said, I, I coach my son in baseball, and he's a just a terrific athlete, super fit. I am in the process of getting him uh, this summer. I really want to start doing some strength training, you know, for an eleven strength training for an eleven year old, um, just body weight stuff, jumping, you know, agility work, things that he can do to help maintain his uh, his his competitive advantage. And, uh, and my daughter, she's a dancer. She loves just dancing and performing and stuff. And and um, so I love to go and watch her and take videos and pictures and support her in that and how, how great of an activity that is for for anybody to do. And uh, But that's her, like her love, her passion. And, I mean, she can do that for the rest of her life. And, you know, again, it, it goes right down to also back to food where I, I want them – their lunches are packed by me or mommy. And those are made with love. You know, there's fresh sliced uh, apples and cucumbers and carrots and, and sandwiches. And for the most part, healthy food options there for them. So, uh, you know, trying to create that palette that, uh, that, you know, healthy foods should be kind of the focus, protein and fruits and vegetables, you know, protein, fruits and vegetables. And there's there's plenty of options out there uh, that taste really good and, 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 and make you smile and make you happy while you're eating them. And I think, you know, getting away, the kids know it's great. Like the kids know like, oh, like we got to stop and pick food up. So they're like, well, we probably shouldn't do McDonald's because that's not really good for you, even though, you know, it tastes good. But you know that's not really good for you, so maybe we should just get like you know a Subway sandwich or you know you know different options that that aren't always fast food. So we we do that very rarely. Um, sure, we get pizza and stuff here now and again, but I'd I like them to at least be educated to the point where they know like every once in a while it's okay to kind of just have a throwaway meal, something that tastes good but it's really not nutritionally dense or doing anything for you on the nutrition side, but also to not feel so, I don't want them to feel restricted either. You know, I think, I think there's there's a balance to it, right? Um, I I, you, I don't want to I don't want to sabotage them. I don't want to restrict things so much or make things evil to the point where now they're extra interested, right? Because that's how kids operate. If you if you say things are off limits, then they they want it more. It's it's that healthy balance with the, with the
0: kids. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think. Education, but also allowing them to make their own choices is probably the key to that balance as well. I'm not a father yet, but I'm definitely taking many, many notes. And from what I've gathered from the information of the parents that I've asked, it seems to be that way. And like you said, you don't want to be over restricted because they will go the opposite way. And I think we all have friends or we've been that person who does go down the route of what we can access when we're a child, but also we don't want to scare them into thinking, okay, well, this is all bad. So I think it's just a healthy understanding of like, okay, well, a little bit of this is from time to time is okay. But at the same time, we've got to understand that if we do that on a very long-term and consistent basis, it's going to have some consequences as well. So I think that place in the middle is probably the best place to be to completely honest. And I want to ask a question as we're on family life and transition into faith, because it's not a question we've actually asked that many people on this podcast about, especially when we're on the topic of health and fitness. So what role does faith play in your life, especially when it comes to health and fitness and fatherhood and
1: family? That's great. I appreciate you asking. It's it's certainly, you know, we, we are a fitness and health publishing company and uh, the content we create, the products and, and programming that we put out into the world is for all people. Um, doesn't matter your background or, or anything, but we also happen to be uh, a business that's operated and, and managed and founded by Christians. And so we like to infuse that mentality or uh, those core values into everything that we do. So we have more of a welcoming, very, you know, kind of positive environment, not vulgar, not derogatory. Uh, it, you, and if you look at our content, it, 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 I think you feel that. Like, we don't swear in our YouTube content. We have 5,000 videos on YouTube and we bleep, you know, like, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't see the S word, you know what I mean? Like, so like we go out of our way, I think to be accessible for people of all ages. So if kids happen to land on our content, there's nothing there that's, you know, not kid friendly, even though it's not made for kids necessarily. In our podcast, we love to talk all things, body, mind, and spirit. Uh, Cause again, it's just part of who we are. There's so much overlap in our lives right it's you can't really just separate these things it's it's who you are they all come together your your spirit and your mindset dictate what you do with your body right and then you know what you're doing with your body has an impact on your mind and how you think right your toughness and your your how you see the world and perspective on things and um uh, but we are grounded very much in our Christian faith. In fact, it's one of our seven core values. We have seven core values here. I talk about all the time on our podcast, of course, but these seven core values are what we use in our business with all decisions, whether it's hiring someone, taking on a a new project, a partnership, a product that we're going to create. And the seven things are passion, integrity, gratitude, service, Positive attitude, decisiveness, and faith. And we believe that, uh, that you are strong by design and you're created in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. And that all of these things are intertwined. Uh, it's, it's really, again, nearly impossible to separate them. And there's also massive overlap with what these seven core values, when you define them, you see that they all kind of bleed into each other. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy our content. And we're not out there necessarily trying to convert people. (laughs) However, I think if people are exposed to our stuff on a regular basis, they might feel, these people feel different to me. Like their content feels different to me. There's a vibe there. It's something I can't put my finger on. It. I don't know what it is uh, in, in their fitness and health content. But I think that underlying theme is our, spirit, uh, our spiritual lives. We strive to be really good men and women, uh, have good marriages, uh, you know, raise our, our kids the right way, uh, support each other here in, 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 the work, in the workplace, respect each other. Um, there's a vibe when you walk in our building that just feels different and people recognize that who aren't part of our team, but come in, they're like, man, I really loved, we invite people, friends, family, and, and, uh, new acquaintances to, to come and work out with us here in our private facility. Um, and here we call it the critical bench compound. It's a 4,000 square foot gym. That's ours. It's private. And, uh, but we use it as, as our, uh, production studio but it's a you know it's a regular gym really that has everything you could possibly need in it but we we want that perception uh in in our material it just feels different it feels inspired it feels founded in something um and and it is it's 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 founded on our christian beliefs and um i i've been ever since i was a little kid i grew up in the church uh had a great church life uh great people Um, I was in youth groups and we went on trips and to help people and and do things for people. And um, I have nothing but really positive memories. I mean, it's the church I was baptized in. It was the church where my my dad got remarried in. It was the church where we had my services for my my brother who passed and my dad who passed. Uh, uh, And so I have a lot of memories over, you know, from the middle 70s all the way through the uh, uh, 2010s at this church up in Connecticut where I no longer live in Connecticut. I'm in Florida, but, um, uh, just lots of, I mean, I've been, uh, I've had a strong faith in God ever since I was a little kid. And there've certainly been moments where I was distant and not focused at all on God. And that would be late teens and twenties. When I think a lot of people walk away kind of from their faith, they're not grounded in much. Again, the, everything's about me a very selfish time, how I look, uh, who who I can hook up with, right? How much money can I make? That's just kind of a phase that we, I think a lot of us go through, certainly men I can speak for. And then I think we typically find ourselves unfulfilled living that type of life. Certainly. I hope by the time maybe you're 30, you realize there's a lot more to life than, than those things those superficial things, those things that don't ground you in anything. Um, that don't really satisfy you ultimately, then don't provide any real purpose. And I've really found that these core values that we live by here in the business, I've kind of adopted as my own set of personal core values. And um, it feels good that I'm living out my passion, doing something I love that impacts other people all over the world that I'll never meet. But um, I'm bold enough to share my, my faith and my, my walk, my journey, um, in, in various ways, whether it's on our podcast or in our material and the way we conduct ourselves and, and so that's a very long qu- uh, answer to your question.
0: <laughs> hey, no, it was exactly what I wanted from that question. And I think it's very unique because it's easy to weave spirituality and religion into spiritual and religious subjects, but health and fitness might not be. I mean, health for sure, especially when you're looking at mental well-being is definitely a tie in there. But physical well-being, you probably don't see the link so much. So I think it's a very unique thing that you guys are doing. And that's why I wanted to touch on it, because if, like you said, there's this intangible feeling of why your concept feels a little bit different. Why, when people visit your compound, it feels a little bit different. And it's worth understanding why. And I'm sure that will interest a lot of people, especially those who have maybe been brought up with faith and maybe want to get back in touch with it or those who maybe have not had exposure at all. So I like that a lot. And one thing you did touch on there was purpose, you know, finding purpose a little bit later in your 20s, hopefully working out that the superficial things don't mean quite as much as we want to. And you mentioned when I saw a little write-up about yourself that without passion and purpose, life is meaningless. Can you Mm. run me through that a little bit more? And also, do you think it explains the reason why a lot of us when we're a little bit younger seem quite lost you know there's a lot more anxiety there's a lot more mental health problems depression do you think a large factor of that is because people haven't found their passion and purpose people don't have peace
1: i think without passion and purpose there's no peace i think there's a lot of lost people right now uh they're 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 seeking things in in this world that are are not gonna ever be ultimately satisfying to them i truly believe that you need to re- spend time reflecting on this and again this is something I think that happens a little later in life. There are I think younger people in their 20s and 30s that are certainly capable of of experiencing this or spending uh, time thinking about such things but uh, certainly in the last decade and really even more so in the last five years, you know I've lost my brother to brain, Cancer. I've lost my mother to cancer, uh, all in the last ten years. And when you have loss, you start thinking about things differently. You start seeing the world a little bit different, especially when it's people that are very you're very close to. And I think that can do one of two things for a lot of people. It can either push you, it can push you away from God, or it can pull you closer to God. And I'm I'm very fortunate that the community I've uh, I've been in here uh, at work. It, it's it's kind kind of roped me in, and I, I formed a stronger connection and closeness to God in terms of just being in prayer and looking for answers and looking for truth. And um, there's no better place for truth than in the Bible. And living more biblical, biblically, I do feel like there there's a peace that you get when you start living that way, where it's it's just unattainable when you make money and you make possessions and you make your house and your car and your job when you make the your identity is in all of these things these idols and in your relationship say maybe you're dating somebody or you know and that's how you define yourself you define yourself by the person you're with or by the things that you have or by the place that you live ultimately i i don't think that's where you that's not where you find purpose as i said at the start the the passion and the purpose i think that's what leads you to to peace and i think there's so much unsettled uh, there's so many unsettled people, so many hearts and minds that are unsettled. They're not living in peace. They're living in the moment. They're living in the day-to-day um, of life, which a lot of people, again, hate, don't like the work that they do. They don't find, they're not passionate about it. It's a paycheck. It's just income. And, and that's not a good place to live in on a regular basis. Uh, they're they're maybe not loving the relationship that they've been in for many years. They're not loving being a parent. And, and when you add all those things up, you're going you're gonna to have a, a society filled with anxiety, depression, stress, right, um, fear, and, and, and anger. And th- that's not a good place to live on a daily basis. So I live in gratitude because I'm, when I start to think about all the blessings that I've had in my life, all the people that have been blessings in my life, And if it wasn't for the the ripple effect that when you take all of them collectively and look at like it's all I am is just a collection of all these relationships (laughs) and conversations that I've had uh, over the last few decades. It's the iron sharpens iron thing. You know, it's like I'm just I'm constantly working on myself and growing from 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 the relationships I've had and the experiences I've had and the conversations that I've had. And I think it's leading me, it's keeping me on the, this narrow path that I'm on. Not saying that I'm perfect by any means. I'm not, I'm far from it, but I'm aware of my imperfections. I think to a higher degree than I used to be. And I'm constantly in search of how can I improve? How can I make myself better? How can I be a, a better, stronger role model? How can I be a better dad, a better husband? Um, but I mean, I could have my wife on here for an hour. She could tell you all the things that I screw up and that I'm not good at.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It does sound like your journey is a constant state of improvement. And as you mentioned, it's just a case of looking at those things, being honest with yourself, connecting with the things that make you you the gratitude for your community and i like the way you sum that up and you being just a collection of your experiences and those you've had conversations with really nice way to put it and it's a very very enlightening piece of information once you realize that and you might think that well if i'm not having that great of a human experience so far maybe i need to improve the quality of my experiences and the people i'm around and i need to also make sure that I'm giving the same value to the people I'm communicating with as well, right? Because the community goes both ways. People will have a large impact on our life, but we also want to have a large impact on theirs as much as we can. And that does lead me on to my final couple of questions. And I want to ask you, Chris, what is the impact that you want to have on the world with the work that you do?
1: I think my hope for the, the work that we do, that I do, that I'm a part of is that people really feel a strong sense of service from us that we really care about people about really helping people authentically trying to fix or change or repair enhance uh, there you can come up with a whole collection of words there that that our hearts are in it that we didn't we're not just in this for money we're not a flash in the pan operation thus you know here we've been around since 1999 so obviously we're not you know we're grinders. And we we stay with things. I mean, there was a period of time where, as VP of content, I was overseeing all of our YouTube content, as I still do. And we had seven years in a row of one video getting uploaded a day on our YouTube main YouTube channel. And so, you want consistency. You want grind. You want to see growth. Stay committed to something long term. Our hearts are in the right place. We're detail-oriented, but not to the point of where we we need something to be perfect to put it out into the world. We want to help people, but we're decisive and we move fast on that. Decisiveness is one of our core values here. So that means that we're action takers. So we like to take action on things and get it out there so that we can help improve other people's lives, but doing it the right way. And, and again, so I want my impact and my legacy to be, this is a man that really loved and was committed and passionate about uh, longevity and about quality of life. And he, he took that passion and he took his, his enthusiasm and his experience and he created content that helped improve the lives of thousands of people, all walks of life from all over the globe. So, I mean, that's that, that that's what I would like people to, to think of when they think of me. Not just, and I was part of a team too that did it. I, it wasn't just me by any means. There's so many other people involved. But uh, that I was part of a process in creating really good lasting content that it can improve and change lives.
0: Yeah, I think you are certainly fulfilling that mission. And I know that you and your team are only just getting started, even though you're 20 years in. So Mm -hmm, if this conversation today has sparked a lot of interest from my listeners, which I have no doubt it has, where's the best place that they can find you at Critical Bench and Stronger by Design? Certainly.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, one great place, obviously, I've mentioned YouTube uh, many times just because we've put so much content out there over the years. We have three YouTube channels. Uh, One of them is the main Critical Bench channel. So if you're on YouTube at all, just type Critical Bench. You'll have access to thousands uh, of. We, we're probably up there when it comes to fitness and health uh, organizations that put out YouTube videos. Uh, we got to be up there when it comes to number of of videos. So we're very active on on the main channel as well as the Compound channel, which is our Shorts channel. It's now just gets short uh, content that goes up there. But you can also type in Strong by Design podcast. Uh, and we have a, a third channel just for the podcast. So that would be one great place to start. I would say another, another good option, if you just want to go to even just to Instagram and just search uh, at The Critical Bench is our, our, our handle. So you'll have access to all kinds of, of great content there on Instagram at The Critical Bench. We have a nice following or certainly on Facebook. I mean, geez, we're almost at, I think, a million followers on Facebook as well, um, over a million on our YouTube and um we've just been so blessed really honestly it's been a, a real good collective effort over a period of years like we we didn't just wake up one day and then boom like had some big numbers like this has taken a long time to get there and i would say that those those are the the best platforms we have so many projects and programs uh, i could get into but i mean i think if they start they'll find those things just by because we have so many free resources on YouTube, especially that lead to all of our products and programming.
0: Amazing. I'll put all those links in the description below. But Chris, this has been an incredible, incredible conversation. It's been a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. And I'm sure that this will just be the start and we'll be going for round two and round three
1: in the future as well. Oh, I'm, I'm always available for it. I, I love it. I uh, really enjoyed talking with you as well, Elliot. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris.
0: And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media, you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram, at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.